0: now broadcasting on star worldwide networks it's time for the fashion rewired broadcast with brian hill during the fashion rewired podcast we chat with successful fashion designers and business entrepreneurs who share their powerful stories of success while providing real-time industry tips tools and actionable strategies to execute today with the goal of designing our listeners brands for success now here's your host
1: brian hill
2: Welcome to Fashion Rewired. I'm your host, Brian Hill, self taught designer and executive director of Phoenix Fashion Week. So, why is it important to rewire? Well, I believe that every successful fashion designer and entrepreneur at one time or another made the smart and necessary decision to rewire their brain, their attitude, but most importantly, their actions to get them to their current level of success. Each week, I get to share stories of transformation with our listeners while giving you the blueprint to rewire. I love to open each episode by thanking the sponsors that believe in fashion rewired the custom shop. As you know, before my rewire, I launched and ran my own fitness apparel brand. Now today I consult invest in and private label design and manufacture custom apparel for brands across the nation. Does your brand need unique, high quality lifestyle apparel like t-shirts, hats, leggings, and more with your branded logo or slogan, or do you need real time consultation on your brand? Reach out to me for more information and custom apparel quotes. Email info at phoenixfashionweek.com. Today, my next guest hails from Phoenix, Arizona, with a bachelor's degree from Pepperdine University. Dustin Johnson is a serial entrepreneur, pioneer, and influential voice in the legal cannabis industry. First becoming interested after his mother suffered a knee injury that resulted in multiple surgeries, chronic nerve pain, and countless opioid prescriptions, but with the cannabis remedy was able to successfully wean herself off of all narcotics entirely that catapulted Dustin deep into the industry and now already can celebrate one successful exit with his iconic cannabis retail and distribution brand Monarch. Now Dustin is back in the game with the launch of leisure cannabis brand Huxton. Wow, Dustin, bravo, bro. So while helping your mom overcome these injuries and get off opioids, you became a successful entrepreneur. How's it feel? Uh,
0: it was exciting, man. It's it's neat to be able to start a business and a career out of a pathway to to help folks, um, especially your mother, right? So um, having that as kind of the beginning of our journey was a, was a really neat experience, and uh, I think it, you know, kind of kind of lends to the type of businesses that we have built, which are um, homegrown. And you know, really built from the ground up and designed um, with help of people in mind, um, so it's been it's been fantastic. Wow,
2: wow, good for you. Can you tell us one fun fashion fact about Dustin Johnson?
0: Oh wow that's a that's a good question <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm six seven uh two forty, so finding a tire for me is somewhat difficult. Um, so I usually I usually stick to kind of the the outlying the outlying layers of the fashion industry. Um, I guess my my favorite fashion fact, if I have to pick one, I'm, I've gotten pretty good at pairing my fashion with my weed. So I have okay. you know, kind of created some custom stash pockets in in my apparel so that I can su- successfully uh, smuggle product around. So you know, my my cannabis and fashion. Uh, blending has really started to, to take shape.
2: That's a great fact. Um, and it's it makes sense from what we're talking about today. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we, we talked a little bit before, uh, read your bio, and uh, the things you've created already have been amazing. But I want to take you back to when you had your rewire moment. Can you take us back to that time when you decided to go, whatever you're doing already, into the cannabis industry and why? Tell us about that rewire.
0: Sure. So I was, uh, a few years out of college, I've been back in Phoenix, uh, working in the real estate business. And my mother, ab- about 15 years prior to that, had, like you mentioned, had been in a boating accident, shattered her kneecap, had a bunch of surgeries to repair it. And, you know, right in the heart of the opioid epidemic, had been prescribed um, just increasing amounts of narcotics, Vicodin, Oxycontin, fentanyl, fentanyl patches. And they were about to put, like insert a device into her spinal column that she could activate to help reduce this nerve pain that she was dealing with, and it was kind of at that point I said, "Hey, mom, we got we got to try something different. You know, mm-hmm. this doesn't seem to be the best move here." Mm-hmm. And so I started looking around for some alternative remedies, stumbled uh, kind of onto to cannabis as an option, and I brought that to her and I said, "Hey, what do you think? Like, you know, let's you think let's let's try to give this a shot." And she's a, a Arizona native as well. Went to school down at U of A. And she kind of smiled. She said, you know, I used to love smoking pot in college. I'm down. Let's give it a run. <laughs> so so at the time, you know, I didn't really know much about the space, didn't really know much about which products would work for, hadn't really been much of a consumer in my life. I played sports um, all the way through high school and, and in college. I played hoops out of Pepperdine. We got drug tested. So I didn't have an opportunity to become much of a stoner, so to speak. So I was out just grabbing some um, flour from my friends, rolling joints for her we finally figured out how to kind of make some honey that we would put in her tea in the morning on a little, on the end of a little toothpick. Mm. And she just started, you know, mixing that into her regimen and over the course of about nine months was able to wean off all of her narcotics entirely. And, she, and you know, Brian, she was taking 10, 12 Vicodin a day at, at one point, just to kind of deal with the, wow. the pain that she had, Wow! not to, not to count all the other narcotics to deal with the side effects um, of the painkillers, you know, she had gastrointestinal issues, stomach issues, muscle issues. So um, it was really kind of a she was in a bad spot, uh, not of her own volition, you know, just following following doctors' orders.
1: Sure, sure. And
0: once we saw that that kind of nine-month process work for her, it was really an eye-opening experience for me, and one where I realized that this plant has been kind of miscategorized, mistreated, shoved into the fringes of society and the reality of it is that if, if used correctly and, and treated with respect, it, it can do a lot of good for a lot of people. Um, and so I just kind of, you know, my, my eyes were open to the opportunities, um, that this plan has to heal and help. And I just, w- I really wanted to be a part of that. So mm-hmm. we kind of set off on the adventure and here we are today.
2: Man, man. Um, what an amazing story. Um, every day you wake up, um, if, if anybody, you know, my mom, uh, Robin's mom, if we could do something to help them feel better, we do it. Uh, let alone it turning into a, a great business for the family and maybe legacy for your kids and their kids. Right. And, um, that's where you want to kind of dig into and, and bravo for what you've done. When did you figure out that this could become a business? Um, obviously in nine months, weaning your mom off and all narcotics is, you know, <laughs> catastrophically amazing. Uh, but when did you say this could be a business?
0: So right after that, we, uh, we started to try to find places for her to go get product. And she's kind of a, a no BS kind of lady. And so she was marching down into some of these um, kind of quasi legal shops that had popped up in South Phoenix, She got a thousand <laughs> bucks, all of her jewelry on, you know, like, Hey, I'm here for my medicine. And it, it, it was, you know, it was kind of like, there were some probably weapons on hips and a, a little bit of a shady vibe. Um, and so that was kind of when I realized, Hey, there's gotta be a better option for people like her and for a lot of society to be able to go to a place where they know they're getting tested product. They have educated staff. that can guide them kind of through the process, tell them how much to use, when to use it, you know, which strains might be effective for them, which products might be effective for them. And in looking around, there was nobody doing that. You know, this was back in 2000, uh, 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. And, uh, fortunately the the state of Arizona had just passed the medical marijuana initiative in 2010 and had created a structure for licensing these types of businesses. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I just, I just kind of jumped in feet first and, started looking around for a site. I was in the real estate business, so I had a little bit of understanding on, on zoning regulations, um, where locations you know might be available. Uh, we were able to find the only location in Scottsdale that worked as far as the setback requirements were concerned.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, we worked with, worked with the owner to, to uh, purchase that property, and then I took it through the city of Scottsdale zoning process myself, which was a hilarious moment. I was, I think, 28 at the time, and in front of the mayor, <laughs> the council, tell them I want to sell weed in their city, and I got a lot of confused looks, um, but ultimately, they, they approved my application, and um, that's where, where Monarch was born. We opened up in uh, late 2013 um, and then opened our cultivation facility shortly thereafter out in Mesa, and uh, over the course of the years, we, we supplied about 70% of the dispensaries with the product we produced out of that cultivation site. Um, and quite a few patients out of that, that retail location in Scottsdale.
2: Wow, wow. So um, obviously, you're an entrepreneur, um, you run the real estate game, um, got your degree from Pepperdine, and you've got this new opportunity. So when when someone has an idea for a business, they always have to do kind of the first step. It, it seems like you went you know pretty fast. You just dove in. But, but can you give us uh, the very first step? When you said, okay, I'm going to make this a business, what was step one? Was it? to find the right zoning or was it to do research? What do you think the, your first step was to launch Monarch, the idea?
0: Yeah, I I think like, you know, step 1.0 was just to convince myself that I was going to go be a weed, weed dealer, right? Because <laughs> effectively at the time, that's kind of what you were. And it wasn't a, wasn't a career path that I had ever envisioned. So just kind of get my mind right and thinking like, okay, uh, you know, let's, let's kind of go off the, the trodden path here,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, kind of depart from the standard trajectory of get a degree and, you know, go get a job um, and, and start something yourself was, was a big step. But sure. then, then, you know, right after that, it was, it was certainly uh, just getting a license mm-hmm. because there's, there's only 120 licenses in the state of Arizona for these, these businesses, uh, very limited, highly sought after. And I knew that, you know, to do, I wanted to do this correctly. I wanted to do it above board. I wanted to bring the community, uh, in, in, in on the process. I wanted to, you know, coordinate with local PD to make sure that our security and safety plans were being done correctly. Mm-hmm. And in order to do all that, we needed to have a license and that license really started with the location. So, um, finding that, that facility, uh, in Scottsdale was, was kind of the first jump.
2: Yeah. Uh, location, location, location crossed over to the cannabis world for you, right?
0: You know it, you know it.
2: <laughs> And then it looks like you did some some good research, secured the license, uh, super important. So now you've got the location. Uh, you've talked to, with the the new or the old owners, and they said, "Yeah, well, I'll sell this property to you." You now have gone to the city of Scottsdale, and they've approved everything. Um, what was next? Was it naming it Monarch? Was it launching? What was next after you secured location, location, location? Yeah. So the
0: the name kind of came out of this idea. You know, again, tying back to my mother of um, dealing with you know a, a, an issue and then being able to kind of move through that and it, and it really changed her life. You know she she was a, a shell of her former self when she was taking those narcotics and really began to flourish once um, once she got onto cannabis as an alternative. Uh, got a lot of life back, a lot of energy back. So we like the idea of you know a butterfly's kind of transition from from a caterpillar to a monarch, um, sure. which which was where this came from and uh, a butterfly logo that we adopted. Um, but then it was really finding the right people because you know mm. I knew nothing mm. about running a retail business, uh, let alone a federally illegal one. Uh, I knew nothing about running a cultivation facility and growing plants. I mean, mm. I could I could kill a cactus if I'm, if I'm <laughs> left alone. So
1: uh,
0: I had to go out there and, and you know convince people to come to work for me sure. and convince them that uh, that I had the juice to to give them a career and uh, you know put food on the table for their families and. Um, you know, it was really, I was the one with the idea, but it was a collective effort and we wouldn't have been able to do it without a lot of great staff, a lot of great help and a lot of great folks jumping on board with me.
2: I love that. You shared a clear, big vision, um, and built the right team. Uh, absolutely love that. You know, we, we know that when you do these actions, right. And you go one, two, three, and next thing you know, you're up and going, you're running Monarch. We also know that some, uh, some successful habits come out of your rewire, um, can you go back and tell me about a few habits that you still use now and execute today that came out of your rewire that helps you continue to succeed? What are some habits like that, Dustin?
0: Well, I'm a, I'm a big reader and I think that research and, and studying your, your craft of choice is, is always important. I think no matter what you're doing, um, I think that if you jump in and, and really dig in and, and make sure you're putting a lot of energy and effort into researching, and um, you know, your, your chosen profession, that's always going to pay its weight in gold, right? I think if people kind of just take a cursory shot at it and look at it as, um, something that's just a side hustle, then you're not going to get as much out of it as, as you would, as if you really dove in. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, I still, to this day, I'm a, I'm a voracious reader. Um, I'm, you know, listening to podcasts, um, figuring out how other people have been successful, mm-hmm. um, making sure that I'm staying up on what's going on in the industry and staying in tune with it. I think that that's number one. Sure. Um, you know, the second, the second habit that I learned in, in being an entrepreneur is it can, uh, it can, it can suck you dry if you don't, if you don't find time for yourself and your family. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have uh, a lovely wife and, and two little girls. I got a six and a four year old. And so I wanted to to make sure to to schedule my time and Um, you know, set up a a system where Mm -hmm. I wasn't discounting the other aspects, aspects of my life. I think that having a, having a well rounded balance, making sure that, you know, you're, you're finding that time for family, finding that time for your own meditation and rejuvenation is important. So, um, I think that those two pieces have really been, been been key for me and, um, setting them next to each other, you know, making sure that, um, the, the, the research and the attention that I'm paying to my career is, uh, at one hundred percent when I'm on, and that the attention and time I'm spending with my family and my kids is one hundred percent when I'm when I'm there. So uh, hard things to do, but I think uh, well worth it,
2: yeah, yeah. They're hard things to do in the beginning, but that's why they become habits. and then they become really easy. and you just make decisions based on that balance of life, self, family, and career, right? And obviously, you know you've done a good job of that. So you know, bravo. It, it is. It's tough. And I think that people, designers, entrepreneurs, anyone needs to recognize the fact that they really should set up a system, honestly, right? A balance in life. That, that's good stuff. So out of these habits, you got you know, great actions, great habits, and things are going well. Um, tell me your biggest accomplishment do you feel after your rewire because of these actions and habits? I think I know what it is, but what do you think the biggest accomplishment was for you um, at Monarch?
0: You know, I think at Monarch, the thing that I that I was the proudest of was was really just building uh, that that team. Um, I had 75 employees at kind of the peak of that operation between our retail and cultivation facility, and you know, to to provide um, a, a, a nice uh, career path and also to provide um, a, a living for all of those people, you know, was something that I was I was really excited about doing. Um, I also think, you know, secondarily to that, before it even started, just getting into it Mm -hmm. was a huge accomplishment, right? Being able to, being able to, to, uh, to see the opportunity and jump in and and stay there, um, was fantastic, but to be able to do it with a bunch of really great people, um, and help, help them build an opportunity to have a career in in this space, um, I, I would say was, was up there for sure.
2: That's fantastic. And we always talk to successful entrepreneurs and they've had multiple rewires. We now know that you have launched uh, the new brand and um, legal cannabis, Huxton, right? So I now want to kind of divert you over to the rewire at Huxton and, and take me down those same kind of steps, right? You, you, you exit, um, big sale of Monarch. Uh, you should be sitting at home chilling at this point, but you decide to dive back in. <laughs> Right, I, w- I want to hear that. And AJ might be laughing too, but he, uh, tell me why you jump back in and tell me about these steps to launch Huxton.
0: For sure, yeah. Well, first of all, I think for for um, somebody in the cannabis cannabis industry, I have maybe a little less chill than I should. I I, I still uh, I still got too much hustle left to go sit on a couch somewhere, man. But, <laughs> uh, the uh, the Huxton piece was interesting. So when we were running Monarch and running our cultivation facility. What we were realizing is, is nobody was really creating uh, products designed for the cannabis consumer. it was It was kind of a smorgasbord of bulk flour just being sold at the retail level um, in you know jars and you know some edible products that were doing a decent job. but nobody was paying attention to the branding mm-hmm. um, to the brand design. Kind of the real craft of of creating a concept that could that could resonate with the consumer base,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so you know, in looking at that opportunity, my sister Chelsea and I realized that um, there was there was a real opening for somebody to build kind of a more refined brand concept to deliver to the consumer, so that they had faith in the products that they were buying, and a brand concept that we could take out of Arizona into uh, a bunch of these legal markets that are opening up. Sure. Um, Arizona was kind of early on in the process, but as I'm sure you're aware, you know, I think it's something like 70% of the U.S. population now lives in a, an area where cannabis is legal in some aspect. Wow. And I don't think that would stop it anytime soon. So um, as more and more of these states just start getting clipped off, we really wanted to shift our focus into building a national brand. Sure. And we felt, felt like we had the experience. um you know, in, in running Monarch and running the cultivation facility and the experience in the industry, the relationships to do it. So, um, part of the reason for that, that sale in 2018 was to kind of refocus our efforts on, on building and running that Huxton brand. Um, and we're, we're doing just that. We're, we're live in Arizona. Uh, we're live in Nevada, Washington, just about, about to launch Oregon. Uh, we have licensing deals in place in Pennsylvania, Ohio, uh, we won some licenses in Missouri, so we'll be launching there soon. Uh, and then we got California and Michigan kind of coming right behind it. So um, we're, on a, we're on a track to, to hopefully be one of the, the, the bigger players in the space going forward. Oh, that's fantastic.
2: So what did, what did your wife say? I want to hear that. When you said, oh, you know what, we're going to get back into the game after the uh, sale of Monarch. Was she on board right away or was there some swing?
0: She was about it. Yeah, she's, she's cool. I got, a, I got, a, I got lucky. I got a good one. I way out kicked my coverage there. <laughs> um, when I first met her, I was kind of just getting ready to, to launch Monarch and she uh, was from Oregon, you know, very sweet, been, been a special needs educator her whole career. And so I was kind of nervous to tell her that I was going into the cannabis space in general. I was thinking that might be it for me. Um, <laughs> when I let her know, she, you know, she said, Oh, that's cool. My dad, um, he, he's a, a cultivator up in Oregon, uh, which I had no clue of up until that point. So, wow. uh, I found one, one of the few that was excited about the industry. And I think that she's, she's excited to see me excited too. She generally, she knows that, uh, I, I couldn't sit at home and twiddle my thumbs. I need to be moving and that's where I'm happiest. Um, and I think she's, Uh, about the brand. She, she loves what we're doing. Um, And I think she, you know, she's been super supportive all all the way through. So I'm, I'm lucky there.
2: Oh, good job. Good job. So um, when you decide to do something, that's going to go outside of uh, Arizona, right? Um, You guys had a good job with Monarch, but now you want to take this, this national kind of scale. Um, How did you set that up? Can you take me through those same kind of one, two, three action steps? Because, a lot of our designers will be really good in their own backyards and neighborhoods, but how can they scale? How do they approach that? Tell me that first step you did with Huxton.
0: Yeah, great question. So the first thing we, we did was we kind of sat back and thought, how do we take a, a brand and create a concept that's going to be easy to move into other markets? So mm-hmm. If we want to scale this, um, we can't, you know, we, we got to set it up from the jump to be able to do that. Yep. And um, our key focus we wanted, we wanted to focus on smokable flour, mm-hmm. so our, our kind of flagship, few is our, our pre-rolls, which we just redesigned. So we sell a seven-pack of half-gram pre-rolls. It comes with a book of matches and now a detachable ashtray on mm-hmm. the tin.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A really, really uh, sleek design. Um, a lot of energy and effort kind of went behind uh, that that concept. But we also realized that cannabis is unique and that you can't you can't produce it in one region and then ship it across the country. It's not mm-hmm. like beer um, or some of these other products where you have a big brewery in Southern California and then you distribute that beer all throughout the, the West Coast. It has to be produced and distributed in the state that you're in.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so um, we realized that we were either going to have to, you know, spend a bunch of dollars, raise, raise a bunch of capital to go set up cultivation facilities in all those markets, or we could design a brand that could be co-packed by folks that already had that production and distribution in place. Um, and maybe just weren't so interested in, in the brand game, but wanted to be more, um, you know, focused on the farming aspect. Right. And, and so we, we realized that in order to do that, the best thing we could do was to design this brand around effect. Uh, that way we, you know, a lot of, a lot of brands in the cannabis space center on genetic and I'm sure you heard, you know, a bunch of these crazy names, Um, you got wedding cake number four (laughs) and you got your Maui Wauis and um, you got your, you know, your, your granddaddy purples and the list goes on. Right. Yes. Um, But that that's hard to scale because if that product isn't the same in every market that you're selling it in, people are going to start to catch on. Sure. Um, So what we did is we we looked at the genetics we were growing. We figured out how to, how to blend them to give that consumer a specific uh, vibe that they were seeking. Mm. And so if you're looking for, Something that's more uplifting, um, you can go into our Rise series. Uh, all the products in that Rise series are going to be kind of giving that gent- gently uplifting effect. Our High Five series is going to be more euphoric, a little more potent, a little more heady. Uh, and then we have our Zen series, which is going to be a little more mellow, a little more relaxing. You know, more kind of um, sit sitting, sitting on your patio after a long day at work. And we can go to any of the markets that we want to that we want to move into find a producer that has genetics that will fit into those series, use their existing strains, blend them together. Um, and then we're, you know, we're live and running pretty quickly. So, um, I think that was kind of the key piece was envisioning, you know, not, not putting a cap on our scale, envisioning this as a worldwide brand, uh, and then setting it up so that we have the ability to get there.
2: Yeah. I was going to say that step one was good. Uh, you guys analyzed from day one, Uh, what your end game would look like to go national and how to make it easy to scale, but easy for the consumer is what I really hear. 100%. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cannabis can be confusing. You know, I think it's it's difficult for a lot of people to to walk into a shop for the first time and figure out how to make it, how to make a selection. Um, Especially folks that are new to the industry, you know, maybe they've had a bad experience before where they got a little too stoned, got paranoid, things (laughs) didn't go right. Yeah. Uh, you know, it happens. And so we wanted to, we wanted to kind of simplify the process and make it really, really easy for, for new consumers, uh, and experienced consumers alike to have a good experience with the product from, from, from the get go and then be able to come back and replicate that experience every single time. Um, I think that that's, that's huge, especially in, in branding, right? To give somebody a consistent experience is, is kind of the name of the game. So, um, that was a key piece for us.
2: Yeah, yeah. and what did you do next? So now you've got this uh, the scope of how to take a national. Obviously, did you, you went back to your your, um, your your tried and true read and learn and you probably looked at states that were close to Arizona possibly. What did you do second for Huxton?
0: Yeah, the, the second piece was really designing the brand, mm. right? And we, we wanted to, again, we wanted to create something that was a little more elevated, uh, you know, maybe a little less tied to um, the old school kind of, uh, nature that you see from, from a lot of brands in the space and something that was authentic to us. Right. We weren't, we weren't old school growers. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't, we didn't grow up on the streets, you know, like um, uh, selling weed when we were younger. Yep. So we didn't have that kind of background that uh, a lot of guys did in the space, which, which creates a lot of really cool authentic brands. There are a lot of cool guys out there doing neat stuff yep. that have that history. Um, but we wanted to make something that was you know true to us and mm-hmm. uh, that represented who we were. And we really wanted it to be kind of centered around this leisure lifestyle culture that I really appreciate Mm -hmm. about the, about the cannabis space, right? It kind of creates this ability for people to unwind a little bit, relax, you know, shut your brain off. And, um, and when you do that, you want to do that with a product that feels comfortable in your hand, feels comfortable sitting on your countertop or uh, that you feel comfortable sitting in. And that was kind of the, the fashion piece to what we did. We wanted to create apparel, uh, and gear to complement the products um, that kind of fit that leisure lifestyle culture, and wasn't just like giveaway swag, but was more good, good um, kind of fashion line that people felt comfortable wearing uh, and and going out in, you know, going to grab dinner in, going to grab takeout in, whatever it might be. But uh, we don't want people to feel like they were a billboard for us, but more like they were they were participating with us with that, with the apparel piece that we launched there.
2: I love it. I love it. We, we had uh, one of our podcast guests, uh, the co-founder of True Religion Jeans, Kim Gold, and she talked about um, being true to her religion, right? Which is premium denim. And you said the exact same thing, that you guys wanted to be in a premium position uh, with Huxton, but also saying true to your identity, you know, this leisure kind of lifestyle. And then, Designing a clothing line that uh, that that goes hand in hand with that—it's uh, genius. What was third, other than collecting dollars? What was third, do you think, to, to launch this new Huxton brand? How was it received?
0: Yeah, third, third was just going and getting it, man. Third was, <laughs> third was the hustle, right? We had the we kind of had the strategy in place to, to take it out. We had the um, the brand design and the concept in place, and then we just had to get out the duct tape and super glue and uh, late nights and, and go get it.
1: Yeah, so,
0: yeah. Uh, I think that I'm good. I'm good at that. I like that. I, I like the beginnings of things. I like kind of putting pieces together and getting running. Uh, I'm probably not so great when you get to a big organization that needs a lot of infrastructure and, um, I can't go, uh, you know, grab a beer, or smoke a joint with somebody on the team and ask them how their day is going and, you know, what I can do for them. Uh, once it gets a little bit too, too sprawled out, um, that, you know, that requires a different talent than I have. And, and so for us now we're, you know, we're kind of still in that scrappy startup phase where we're just, uh, we're just trying to trying to run, um, get as many states launched as we can, uh, keep growing as big as we can. Um, we've been fortunate to have some, uh, some capital out of that sale that we had in 2018 that we can use to fund our growth. So we, we've been self-sufficient. We're hundred percent independent, um, you know we can do what we want when we want it, and that's been a real blessing. So we can, you know, we can uh, we can kind of put the pedal down and not have a bunch of people looking over our shoulder. You know, as far as like private equity investors or, or folks that want to have a lot of control. Um, sure. So this brand is, you know, it's it's all us all the time, and uh, hopefully we can get it to a point where, um, you know, we we've gotten over that hump and uh, we got a, we got a little bit of runway. Uh, but we're not quite there yet. We're just going to, we're going to keep grinding until we get there though.
2: I love, I, I think you like, uh, the scrappy side of things. It just seems that way. You know, you're an athlete and, um, and improving. Um, that's what athletes are so great at is getting better at that jump shot, right? Getting in better shape. When you see those things improve it, you kind of double down, and it builds a lot of confidence. Uh, I love the phrase. It's all us all the time. I, I'm going to use that. That's, that's good stuff. Believe it or not, Dustin, we're at the halfway point of the podcast. How's it going so far?
0: Good, good. How are uh, how you doing over there? You need a joint yet or are we doing all right?
2: No, I'm good. I'm not. No, no, I'm good. You see my producer right now. She's super happy when I told him who I was talking to today. She's like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna take you into after we thank our sponsors down into the Garment District, right? A lot of rapid fire questions. Uh, are you ready for that?
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, I might... Uh... I might tap my boy AJ in here for some of them, but yeah, we'll be ready.
2: <laughs> you got it. So hang on. We'll be right back. Fact. Each season, Phoenix Fashion Week turns away hundreds of emerging fashion designers that apply for the live designer bootcamp. This year, we created the six-week-long digital designer bootcamp where emerging fashion talent from around the world and from the comfort of their own home via mobile, laptop, or desktop will follow a structured curriculum online focused on the very important business side of their fashion brands. In a short six weeks, the fashion experts will teach, transform, and lay out the blueprint to build and run a successful fashion brand for 2021 and beyond. To apply, email digital at phoenixfashionweek.com. All right, we're back. Fashion Rewired, the podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hill. I'm on with Dustin Johnson of Huxton, uh, the legal cannabis brand and lifestyle, leisure, cannabis group that he's built from scratch, starting with an exit with Monarch. Uh, He's based here in Phoenix, Arizona, and he's been dropping all kinds of bombs on us today. It's been amazing. So, all right, Dustin, we're going to go down into the Garment District. I'm going to give you a choice. Tell me if it's underrated or overrated. That's all you got to do. Okay. Democracy. Underrated or overrated?
0: Underrated. Democracy is the king, man. I'm uh, I'm loving
2: democracy. (laughs) Handwritten notes. Underrated or overrated?
0: Oh, way underrated. That's that's one thing we, we love doing here. Uh, Chelsea and I and, and AJ as well, anytime we get a chance to send out a package of something that somebody's bought online, uh, we'll sit down and, and write a handwritten note and um, thank them for the love.
2: Sick. Formal education, underrated or overrated?
0: Oh, I'm 50-50 on that one. I'm a fan because uh, you know that was I, I had a formal education and I really appreciated learning how to how to think you know i don't know that i learned a lot of like things necessarily about history or math or whatnot but i learned how to work with people that come from a diverse set of backgrounds um different mindsets so uh i appreciate it but i can also respect uh, uh guys that come up from the streets and don't have that you know that's that's a a hard way to do it and um uh, I got a lot of respect for that, too. Gotcha. He went 50-50 on us. Can we even accept
2: 50-50? All right. She said yes, we can. <laughs> <laughs> Social media, underrated or overrated?
0: Oh, I got to go overrated on that one. Okay. I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of shutting off the phone and um, sitting out back and hanging with my kids and, you know, settling into an evening without a, a screen in front of me. So um, Bef- I, I prefer I prefer going back to the day when... Uh, things are a little bit simpler, but it's a great tool. Uh, I think it's something that everybody needs to to utilize if you're if you're going to be out there selling things. And I understand that piece too. But personally, um, I'm I'm better off on a beach with a uh, a pre roll and maybe a pina colada. <laughs> Cannabis underrated or overrated? Oh We're way underrated, man. We're we're <laughs> on the, we're on the come up still. Uh, we've been we've been shunned, kicked to the curb. Nobody thinks it's for real. Uh, you know, we're still federally illegal every day. Anybody in this business is out there um, selling product They're You know, they're, they're committing an act of, um, uh, or a a crime, so to speak. So um, I think we're, I think we're on the come up though. You'll, you'll see things change in the next four years here pretty quickly. Okay. Websites underrated or
2: overrated? (laughs) I think websites
0: are overrated. I think that, you know, more people are are living on uh, mobile devices and spending less time on um, on websites unless unless you're buying something. So um, I'm gonna go overrated on that one. Cool. Last one. Phone conversations underrated or overrated? who fo- I think phone conversations are underrated. I mean, I remember I remember growing up in the days when you know you had your, f- your first girlfriend and you're in eighth grade and it was the you hang up first after you've been on the phone for like <laughs> three hours. So that was kind of fun. Now it's just all, all text and emails, and uh, I can appreciate um, folks that want to pick up the phone and have a chat, so I'm going underrated. Okay, cool, cool.
2: I appreciate Those are good answers. Uh, the 50-50 is our first one. Um, so when we talk to designers and entrepreneurs, we always talk about, is your brand a wholesale play, which means you're a distribution, right? You're selling to, in scale, um, reselling to other people, or are you direct to consumer, which would be a retail play? How do you position Huxton, wholesale or retail, and why?
0: So we do both. Uh, the, the cannabis products that we sell have to be done through licensed retailers. Okay. So uh, we have uh, co-manufacturing partners that produce and distribute those those products um, and sell them to retailers uh, across the country who then retail that to, to consumers. Okay. Uh, our our apparel and accessories that we're doing, that's all direct to consumers. So we're doing all that uh, through our website. Uh, we do some installs at, at certain retailers where you can pick us up, but... Um, we like the idea of being able to have that kind of personal touch, um, you know, interact with our consumers online and, and sell the apparel and accessories piece directly to them.
2: I love it. I love it. So um, when you talk about the wholesale side, when we're talking distribution to other um, uh, sites around the nation. Uh, tell me about a sales platform that you use that brings in the most revenue to make that wholesale thing work. Is, is it, you know, dollar for dollars? Is it uh, a partnership? How, what, what works for you best in the wholesale side?
0: yeah so it's it's a little tricky for us because we have different partners in different markets and they have different uh, call it software requirements sure. that they need to use. um so as far as platforms it's it's kind of diverse uh, across states the The thing that is interesting though since since cannabis has to be sold at a at a retail location, um there are there are some delivery services out there for the but for the most part, it's being sold through retail. What we've realized is that it's real similar to the beer and wine industry, where you have to have kind of that boots on the ground, old school uh, sales call mentality. You know, you're popping into shops and, and, and trying to make a sale. Um, and we've been fortunate enough to, to to bring out some really great folks. Our head of sales, uh, a guy named Mike Fossel, who's my twin. He's the same height, same weight, bald with a beard. My my kids get us confused sometimes. Um, <laughs> But he's you know he was with uh, a brand called St Archer for a while. They were a craft beer brand in San yeah. Diego yeah. that did really well uh, and then he stayed on after their sale to Miller Coors and kind of ran the Southwest region for them um, and so those those are the kind of folks I think that are, are useful for us in this space because they have that, that kind of that more old school platform mentality of just getting in front of getting in front of managers, getting in shops and um, and trying to make sales happen.
2: I love it love it and then same question on the retail side of things, right? What brings in the most revenue as far as a sales platform or approach for the apparel side, the fashion side of Huxton?
0: I think as, as far as an approach goes, we do really well in what we, and we really enjoy partnering with influencers okay. or doing collabs with other artists. Okay. Um, we, did a, we did a collab with an artist here named Blaze for, for some gear. We did like a beach towel and a tote Mm-hmm. um, some prints that, that really did well. Uh, and I think that, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the way we like to do things to kind of broaden, broaden the community a little bit, bring some people in to do stuff with us. Yeah. Um, we have a really cool, uh, I'll call him our mascot, uh, a guy named the radical llama, who I can introduce you to at a different time. But, um, he, he's this, he's this, you know, this gentleman, it's part llama, part man, kind of lives up in the ethos, floating around the world, just having good times. And we did a, a collab with a guy named Ty Williams out at of a, at a Cali that did some designs for us um, and helped bring that guy to life. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that's really what, what we like to do. And I think that's been super useful for us uh, so far up to this point. That's
2: excellent. So we talked about social media for a little bit, but um, when you do have your phone on, social media-wise, where are you spending your time and, and Why?
0: I mainly I mainly spend my time on two things on, on social media. I follow as much as I can with within the industry. So I'm kind of focused on uh cannabis based feeds. Okay. Um uh you know, I'm, I'm I'm turning forty this year, so I don't I haven't quite figured out how to use TikTok
1: or
0: <laughs> you know, a lot of these other things the youngsters are doing. So I'm I'm mainly on uh Instagram and Twitter. I can I can figure those out. Um <laughs> But as far as followership, I'm, I'm kind of following brands that I think are interesting uh, designers that I think are interesting artists that that I uh, you know can get inspired from and then just stuff that's going to make me laugh. You know, I'm, I'm following I'm trying to get some humor in my life and, and that's really about it.
2: Gotcha. Gotcha. Give us a couple of those designers that you follow. If you can remember some of their names, we'll, we'll make sure we check them out.
0: Um, yeah, I can, uh, I can probably pull up my feed here and, and, and find a few of them. I don't, I don't know their necessarily their names. Cause I'm, I'm trying to think through what they have on kind of their Instagram <laughs> handles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, a cool dude that I just started following recently, actually our landlord tipped me off to him when he was here last time. He's like, Hey, you got to check this guy out. His name's Josh bask. Okay. Um, and he, he does some funky stuff. Um, I'm into, uh, that, that Ty Williams guy that, that we mentioned, yep. um, really dig, digging what he's up to. Um, and then there's a, uh, uh, a guy called or a group called real fun. Wow. Uh, they, they got some cool stuff going on. we definitely check them out too.
2: Fantastic. I love it. I love it. Okay, cool. Um, so we're talking about business resources, right? So, um, some people care about their website, email campaigns, newsletters, um, what 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 service are you guys using that powers your website? That's my first question. And then tell me, is that your go-to business resource where it brings you guys the most traffic? Who powers your website? And then is that where you guys get the most traffic? Or is it Instagram? Tell me that.
0: Uh, so we use, yeah, we use um, Squarespace for our website. Okay. We started off we spent, we hired a local group, uh, here in, in Phoenix, did a fantastic job for us and built like a really elaborate website with a lot of cinematography, you know, a lot of, a lot of custom pages. And what we realized pretty quickly is that as a brand that's kind of evolving into a new industry with a lot of, uh, a lot of moving parts and pieces, um, having something that's overly custom was a little difficult cause you can't make a lot of edits to it and a lot of changes. Right. And so, uh, we jumped onto Squarespace so that we could kind of control that process. Um, AJ handles all that for us He's done a fantastic job there um, And then we use Shopify For, for our shop page Gotcha um, To kind of manage all of our, our merch And all of our, all, our uh, online piece Good um, And then for all of our, like our email outreach And newsletters and stuff We're using Klaviyo
2: Okay, cool I love it These, these things really help for, for young brands To understand where they should go Because, um, you know, it is it's all these different options out there But which one do you go with? Ultimately, you know. Uh, so, thank you for that. Um, I'm excited about this because you're a big reader. Why don't you recommend two books that our listeners can read to succeed?
0: Ooh, read to succeed. Uh, I like a. There's a book that I read recently called Extreme Ownership, okay. which I which I really enjoyed. It's a uh, a couple of ex Navy SEALs that that did it, and they take kind of real life. Uh, events that they had gone through in the field, and um, and they apply them to business, mm. and and kind of just give you some some guidance on like how to navigate you know hard situations. But the ultimate, the underlying theme is that as a, a business owner, uh, a founder a CEO a leader or whatever. It all starts with you. So any mistake that happens, anything that goes wrong, you got to own it and, and not try to kick it down the line and, and put it on somebody else. And I thought that was, that was really good advice. You, you, um, you, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you gotta be the one that raise your hand and said, Hey, this is my fault. I could have done this better. Uh, I could have done this differently. Um, you know, I think that that's a, that's, that's always a good, a good lesson to, to kind of reiterate. Um, Man, you I got a ton more but another one that I really like that I read least recently which might be a little out there is the Beastie Boys book. I don't know if you uh you read the, the book that those boys put out but it's no, a good le- good lesson in hustling, right? Like <laughs> and I, I I think that you know what it takes to kind of put a band together, get through the the muck and the murk of New York City and come out and be successful like those guys did was a really interesting story. Um I think the inspiration from from some outlying places uh but they I, that's that's a good one and they got a you know a different person that reads each chapter oh wow Walks you through how all their albums came together um the creativity behind you know what they did and kind of like their their video shoots they'd just kind of drive around and find a parking lot and be like all right let's go for it mm-hmm. so um that's, a, I think, a, a good lesson in embracing the hustle from the
2: from the Beastie Boys. From the Beastie Boys, okay. And I'm going to turn my Pandora to Beastie Boys once I get in the car. You just get me inspired the rest of the day. So,
0: hey, Here I'm going
2: <laughs> <Put> <laughs> to take you back to a, a younger Dustin Johnson, right? And I want you to give the younger Dustin Johnson some advice to make it to your current level of success, but way faster. What would that advice be? <laughs>
0: Oh man, that's a good one. Let's see. You know what? It's, it's hard to say. I spent a decent amount of my twenties traveling. Uh, I was down in Central America for four months with one of my buddies, just kind of hitchhiking and smoking our smoking weed through Costa Rica, Nicaragua, El Salvador. Um, I got, I, you know, I got off to Europe a couple times and just booted around. So I wouldn't say that I was like the most motivated human yeah. in, in, my, in my early to mid twenties. Yeah. And I think that, you know, if I had a little bit more of a, uh, a hustle focus back then, I probably could have got here quicker. Gotcha. But that being said, I'll, you know, those memories are impactful too. And I think it's important to, to take time to figure out who you are, have those experiences, experience the world and, and go do some things that aren't directly related to your future career. Sure. I think it's also it's also good to you know to kind of kind of do things the uh, the, the natural way, let them come to you. Yep. So I might just I might just tell myself to um, you know do what you did, maybe 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 party a little bit harder so I could have got it all out of my system. <laughs> but that, that's probably about it.
2: Party harder, hustle sooner. How about that? Can I go with that?
0: There you go. Yeah, you, you, you that's a good synopsis. I'm gonna steal that.
2: <laughs> All oh, right on. Hey, can you share a final thought? Why is it important to our listeners to rewire?
0: Well, I think that we, we all get stuck. You know, we all kind of um, end up in spots where we think our life is mapped out or uh, we have people telling us this is this is what you're going to do or this is all you're going to amount to or, um, you know, y- your uh, your life's kind of been planned out for you you follow a certain path, you go through a certain process, you get to a certain place and, and that's it. Um, and, and you know, for me, I realized after jumping into the, into the cannabis space, having an opportunity to be entrepreneurial, kind of control your own destiny, um, that I wouldn't want to have it any other way. You know, Got I think it. that it's important for people to kind of evaluate their lives from time to time and think about, are you happy doing what you're doing? Uh, you know, if so, why and how do you make that better? If not, how do you change it? Right. Um, you know, we only we only get a we only get one shot at this thing, from from what I'm told. You know, I think you you got call it 80 85 years at best. Um, and if you don't take a chance to kind of rewire your thinking every once in a while, then you probably won't make like the most of it. So, right. Uh, I'm out there. To, I'm out there trying to make the most of it. I'm glad I had a chance to have an opportunity to kind of divert path from um, the trajectory I was on, and uh, I think that. Hopefully all, the, all your listeners out there will, will find a chance to evaluate it, see if they can rewire some things and um, get out there and get it. I love it. I love it. Um, what's exciting for you guys in
2: 2021 at Huxton?
0: We got a lot of fun stuff going on. We, did, we just underdid a, or undertook a complete rebrand. So redid our fonts, redid our mark, um, redid all of our packaging. Wow. Uh, we're looking at launching uh, about four to five new states this year um, which, which I think is really exciting. You know, I think we're we're looking forward to some change in federal legislation around cannabis, uh, safe banking act looks like it's got a chance at passing, which, which gives, uh, gives us all some relief on, uh, financing, banking, lending, um, taxation, which is a big issue. Uh, so just kind of watching this industry, you know, grow up and become a little bit more legitimized. Excellent. I think we'll, we'll see, we'll see some huge steps towards that this year.
2: Excellent. Excellent, How can our listeners find you, Dustin?
0: You can find us on uh on the gram at Huxton Uh huxtonusa.com if you're looking for a little more information on the brand or looking to pick up some apparel or some merch. Um and uh you can find our boy The Radical Llama on Twitter at, at the radical llama. He's a he's a hoot to follow, so check him out.
2: <laughs> As always on Fashion Rewired, you can upload a free blueprint of Dustin Johnson of his rewire you can follow his one two three action steps between rewire number one or rewire number two or just be inspired by what dustin has already done simply go to our instagram at fashion rewired and send me a direct message and i'll send you a free blueprint of dustin johnson dustin you enjoy today
0: right i had a blast man thanks for having (laughs) me i'm off to uh i'm off to go sit on my patio maybe (laughs) smoke a joint run around with the
2: kiddos (laughs) i love it love it hey thank you very much and we're out
0: Thank you for joining us for our weekly 30-minute podcast focused on the business of fashion. Fashion Rewired is all about the successful transformation of your mind, perspective, and daily approach to your fashion brand. Make sure you listen next week for the Fashion Rewired podcast with Brian Hill.